One of my go-to recommendations for people looking for durable, affordable, good-looking clothes is actually a chefwear company. You know how it's a faux pas to wear a bounty to a concert? Is it the same for restaurants? Where they're trying to capitalize on this momentum of chef culture, food culture. Get ready with me to go to the kitchen. Reed, as a as a dog person, I don't know if you have had to deal with a battle against fleas, but uh, I may have shot myself in the foot or mildly poisoned myself with a bug bomb in the last 24 hours. <laughs> did you not vague? Like, did you just do it and like, just, did you bomb your apartment and keep going? No, I, I left. I got out, but. Uh, like, I don't know if you've activated one of these things before. It's like setting off a firework, and it's it's like a can of spray paint that you, like, press down the top, and it just sprays up consistently until it's empty. And I did this without realizing that's how it worked, and it got on my arm, and I was just like, oh, I should probably just, like, I got a paper towel and, like, wiped it off, and then went outside and, like, ran it off with a hose, and then, you know, vacated the place. We were out for the, the required amount of time, aired it out correctly. And then I just have done way too much reading about it, including that uh, the company that made the bug bomb is like a subsidiary of Bayer, which has just been doing horrible things for my uh, paranoia about uh, what is in this, uh, in the fumes around my, my house and what is in the, the air and what's in my bloodstream. Did it take care of the fleas? I think so. I think so. Which is, you know, if it, well, it, there's a flip side to that. Cause if like the fleas were still alive, it'd be like, Oh, I'm probably fine. <laughs> I mean, I guess you're right. But, uh, since the, the fleas are, are very much dead, you're like, okay, well at least that's, that's no one ever said of. the revolution would be bloodless. So true. True. But uh, those those fall transitions. Wait, is it from the from cats or do you have a dog? A dog. It's my girlfriend's oh, okay. dog. Just pulled in the fleas. Do we do we look? Yeah. Well, it was one of those things where I was just like sitting next to her on the couch and just saw like a little black spot on her. Like Albert has met this dog mm -hmm. uh, multiple occasions. Mm -hmm. A uh, very cute uh, lab mix, N not a pit bull lab mix, but uh, had like a little black dot on it. And I went and goes like, "What's that?" And then the the dot just immediately disappeared and went somewhere else. And then I saw the dot again. Was like, "Oh, that is clearly a jumping flea." Um, and then I saw a couple more and was like, "Oh, my day is ruined." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is one of those like situations where it's like whatever I had planned for today is now this. Yeah. Ernie ever uh, given you the flea treatment? No, no, he hasn't. I have a tick comb that works pretty well too. So I've, he got into a tick nest maybe this summer. Where are there ticks in New York City? Ernie? Or is this like when you take them upstate and he like runs to the tall yeah, grass? Yeah, like this one was in I think like Hudson, but uh, I think that's where it was. But yeah, definitely got into like some like nest situation because there was a whole bunch on him. Had to comb it out for quite some time but i always gotta check them when i leave the woods mm -hmm. but leave yeah the you know we're foraging out there yeah. connecting with nature no it's like when we're climbing because especially like if i'm climbing out there and i and he's he's out with us he'll just kind of find like some small rock to lie underneath and it's like yeah i gotta gotta check pretty pretty careful after that but no flea situation 
This is riveting to Albert, proud dog owner over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've 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 actively avoided pet ownership because I don't want any responsibility or obligation in my life at all. Oh. And then I did I did house it for my parents. Um, my I let my one of my parents' cats stayed with me for a week while they were getting their house tented for termites, as I think we talked about previously. And, yeah. Uh, I was always worried if she was having a good time, and <laughs> it stressed me out. I was like, are you mm-hmm. enjoying yourself? She she hates my parents' dogs, and she seems really stressed out when she's there because she's like always like on a table or desk like hissing at them. <laughs> but I realized when she was when she was here, she was just so bored. Like she's like an old person who watches Fox News to get like upset about what the libs are doing, you know? It's like she needed that antagonism to kind of keep her going through the day. It's like yeah, it's like someone in Montana getting upset about immigration policy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so yeah, 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 you'll be fine up there, but I understand if you need to rile yourself up today. No common enemy at your house, Albert. Yeah, yeah. So um, we had a, we had a decent time, but <laughs> I I don't think I'm ready for uh, ready for that. You're not ready to, to inhale a fog bomb and uh, realize you have to wash all your clothes now. <laughs> I do that recreationally. Just <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Albert calls that a slow Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a, a a good trend piece to 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 manufacture onto cable news of like do you hear what gen z are doing they're intentionally inhaling bug bombs <laughs> where was the age cut off on the tide pods was that us or was that was that younger who was i think it was younger this was like three years ago four years ago was the the tide i can't pods. Even remember to be honest in the timeline of fucked up internet stories but I do just, I definitely do remember at some point Tide having to make a statement, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I think we were old enough for the knockout game, but not for Tide Pods. Oh, yeah. And then the sleeper, like the sleeper hold shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, timeline of fucked up internet things. Uh-huh. Or did... I think they're they're entirely stirred up by the media without sure. any. That's why I feel like they're internet things. They're not real life things. Like, yeah, they just need something for Albert's cat to watch or Albert's <laughs> parents' cat to watch uh, to not get bored during the day to 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 cower about. Um. Yeah, speaking uh, of things that the media has has disseminated media david <laughs> the, the the media in in quotation marks for sure and this is uh we we are the trend show and it is the the media that tends to coin these trends whether we like them or not because it's sort of a uh a hallmark for me whenever i read something in the new york times as a trend piece i'm like oh it's over it's 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 happened the train has left the station we're done but when something is written up in The Guardian, um, I feel like uh, it's, it's more nebulous because the one that we're here to talk about today was just written up in The Guardian um, uh, like a week or so ago. And we are talking about Chef Corps, mm. which is a completely unimaginative name that they have there because, like, you know, there, there's a lot of cosplay in fashion culture and then the course of my 15 or so years of paying attention. Um, we've gone through, like, you, and, and you can spot check me on this, like, country club preps, 1950s greasers, 
Marlboro Smoking Cowboys, Gore-Tex Survivalists, and many others. And now we've arrived at a new blue-collar hero. Where does where does the Goth uh, Ninja fit in that one? Goth Ninja's not working mean, class, right? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it depends on what culture yeah, they're working. Like a, you could be a blue-collar ninja. That's what I feel ninja. like. like just, I feel like the ninjas... Sorry, in, sorry. That was... <laughs> Like in three ninjas, it's really reductive of me. The three ninjas, like the ninjas who are fighting for the bad ninja, I feel like we're working class ninjas. Mm-hmm. The the henchmen and the henchmen. Yeah, union. you know. <laughs> which a new silhouette is on the menu, or rather making the menu, which, as alluded to earlier, the food service industry, what has been unimaginably labeled Chef Corps. Mm. Um, so I would say one of this, is, this is one of the last untouched bastions of workwear, because the, the restaurant kitchen is the new focus of streetwear collabs in high fashion, and probably most visible on the TV show The Bear. I think that's been the the thing that really pushed everybody over the edge, but I think these ideas had been simmering for quite a few years before that and it's just all coming to the surface now. So, today we are going to be getting into the special editions and what's been 86 to create the asp- aspirational culinary couture of 2023. And I think if we're being honest, David, you were way ahead of this, weren't you? Kind of. I mean, I remember like a couple of years ago when we were talking about our trend predictions on the in the before times, and I was positing like service industry, like um, mall service worker core mm-hmm. of like Auntie Anne's pretzel <laughs> employee. I think was what I pegged it as, and this this seems significantly more highbrow. But thank you, Albert. I will take my minor. Yeah, to be, on- well, to you be honest, in my recollection, he did too, Albert. I didn't realize it was so like apron well, you, paper hat focused. <laughs> you were, you were also all about um, <laughs> essential worker core, but and yeah, essential workwear. That that was my term. Yeah, for it. and Thank I think you. that was also this would have been under the umbrella, I believe, at the time. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah, is this the thing that we talked about back then, and I have in my notes here for later that uh, line cook was the job with the highest mortality rate during uh, like 2020, the height of the pandemic. And yeah, we want to uh, tip our our tall white hats um, to those people, and apparently people want to uh, tip a, a tall white hat of their own. Probably should be talking um, about tall white hats so much without spe- specifying which ones. <laughs> Are there? I, I, we're not talking about Pope Corps, although I, I, Pontiff Corps, if that's a thing that we get in the future, I'm very much welcoming a uh, people accessorizing with with tiny um, uh, hammers to to hit people in the head to make sure they're Fucking dead. Pope cell Bishop Maxing out here. <laughs> 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 Driving around in little carts, <laughs> bulletproof. Yeah, <laughs> carrying staffs. 
Okay, get us back <laughs> on track, David. <laughs> <laughs> okay, chef, bread. chef. I was talking about the, the chef hats, <laughs> yeah. not, not Ratatou- the Pope hat. Ratatouille hat. Ratatouille's home. So, before we dig into the modern day, I'd say let's go back to how we got here and the history of what we consider to be the traditional chef's uniform. So, thinking of the traditional chef's uniform, I say chef. What components of that outfit come to mind? Yeah, the tall hat, as we described. <laughs> got the tall hat. Uh, all all white, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we could I'm be describing the, no, the worst I'll... fucking uniform in American history, I gotta say, as well. <laughs> like, well, this is that yeah, with the tall uh, yeah. white hat and, and the all white. <laughs> like, um, we should probably cut this, but that is just verging on clan uniform. Well, it's not a... <laughs> Reed, it's was, not it's a not hood. Like it's a hat. <laughs> it's a hat. It's like a kind of... There's no mask. There's Tanner's no mask. Uh, oh, boy. Um, yeah, I'm, I am just thinking of the, of the, of the, like, the chef that, the, that the, he idolizes in Ratatouille, pretty much. Um, yeah. The Ratatouille, what, with like, the, the double-breasted coat and yes, the, the yeah, baggy yeah, yeah. pants. Rubber mm-hmm. footwear. Mm-hmm, the clogs. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking of. So, in the, the research for this, the, that traditional chef's uniform, or at least the first record of it, is about 200 years old. That um, Before that, in the liturgy and in paintings and other iconography of kitchens, the cook is only wearing a apron. That's, that's the only defining feature, which is, you know, duh, boring, of course. Mm-hmm. You would wear an apron if you were cooking. Um, but in 1822, the French chef Marie-Antoine Carême uh, sketched out the first tall white hat, double-breasted, and apron chef's uniform for his sprawling culinary empire. And boy, do I have a lot to say about Marie-Antoine Carême. <laughs> I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, man, I can't wait. I've, I mean, this is the first time I've heard the name, but... It's the first time I had heard the name, too, but the more I read about him, the more invested I became in his story, because he is probably the most influential person in all of culinary history, and it started out because he was a uh, poor, penniless like orphan on the streets of, of Paris, but he clawed his way up by becoming the original Is It Cake guy, that his bakery made elaborate uh, cakes and pastries out of uh, like marzipan and other confection that looked like famous buildings, and people thought this was really really cool in the early 1800s. They still do. <laughs> yeah, I still do. Like we, that was the speaking of three years ago uh, trends that swept the nation or viral things that swept the nation. Is it cake? Was was right at the top of the list. Wow, people have always been the same. <laughs> yes, <laughs> all of history. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to figure out if shit's been cake for two centuries. <laughs> uh, so he was sort of the original "Is it cake?" guy, and the um, do you ever see the Amori Goshan, the the chocolate guy on TikTok? I don't know if I. Have. I don't know who that is, and I'm I'm learning about people left uh, and right. right he now. makes. He was so many guys, this this Karem person, Mm -hmm. as he made elaborate edible replicas of Greek ruins, Chinese pagodas, and French castles. And in doing so, he became the first sort of celebrity chef that he traveled all over Europe cooking for the King of England, Tsar of Russia, 
uh, it was sort of here, another guy. It was sort of like getting Salt Bay to come and cook at your corporate function. Was importing uh, Antoine Carême to come and make a giant edible version of your castle for you and all your friends. And he made these incredibly elaborate meals that, for a feast celebrating the Grand Duke Nicholas of Russia's visit to George IV's Brighton Pavilion wow. in 1817, the menu featured 120 different dishes, highlighting eight different soups, 40 entrees, including glazed veal with chicory and jellied partridge with mayonnaise, and 32 desserts. Did he, Good did for he him. employ like an army? Like, how many people made all this? That's a lot of food. Yeah. yeah, so this is the thing that uh, through his travels and all of he like would travel with a whole group of other cooks, and he to throw out another guy, he was sort of like the Johnny Appleseed of French cuisine because the reason why like French cuisine is held up as the the pinnacle of all things culinary is because he was the guy that you wanted to come and cook at your state banquet, and. Uh, so things like mother sauces, pastry making, uh, and the, uh, the the names for different chefs, and for the purposes of our show, the uniforms and the place settings were also done up by this guy. Mm. So he, he wrote a bunch of different cookbooks, and uh, the most famous one for uh, like appearances and where that first like illustration of what a chef should look like was from Le Maitre D. Hotel Francais, which uh, defined all the behind the scenes of a restaurant from everything like setting a table, arranging a buffet, like ordering a kitchen and dressing the chef. So I've got the, the photo of the drawing here. If you can see what the these two very saucy looking chefs looked like in 1822. Oh, my if God. Look at that hip hop. His kitchen. Just, just fully extended. Oh. Yeah. Wow. They're sassy and they're saucy. Talk about serving. I, I like that the one that is that does have the hip hop is also wearing like the daintier shoes, the daintier footwear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. He's very much a little lad that He's cooks. A little lad that cooks. I I think this is what's missing from from chef hats now is th- there's a just to explain to the audience, they're sort of sideways and floppy. And they're sort of jauntily cocked to the side, but they're not structured. They're just sort of hanging. Like it's like a very tall beret. Yeah, they're more. They're definitely like more of the beret family. It's like when you find out an animal is closely related to a different animal that you thought it might have been. It's like this chef hat mm. seems like it was like yeah, like. But then the other one's wearing kind of an Ebenezer Scrooge nightcap. <laughs> <laughs> it is tied at the top. <laughs> The, the hat was extremely important in his kitchen because he did adapt it from the Arabic, uh, like, sort of beret caps. They were called toques, which is just the Arabic word for hat. Hmm. And they were originally flat caps, but Karem had the idea of the taller the hat, the more senior you were as a chef. <laughs> so the guy with the tallest hat, like, he always had the tallest hat. His was, like, a foot tall and the person who was below him was like 10 inches. The person below him was eight inches. And if you were the, the most, um, like the newest guy in the kitchen, you had the flat cap. Mm. The other aspects of like the double breasted white coat or the white everything was a way to show off and be like, oh, I, I cook in this kitchen, 
but I have a completely white and clean uniform mm. because I am so exacting and so neat in my craft. Oh. That's interesting. I thought it was because you could bleach it. <laughs> you can also bleach it, but that was the, the reason that he gave uh, because he was so much about showmanship. And the it was double-breasted also because if you did stain one side of it, you could just reverse it and then uh, hide the stain on the front piece of it. And the other thing about the tall hat was supposedly it kept a cool pocket of air above your head, so in the hot kitchen you would not get as overwhelmed. <laughs> Run outside, scoop some cool air into your hat, and put it back on. Yeah, and bring it back in. <laughs> yeah, this Karem guy was just fascinated. because like the reason that we have you know forks on the left and knives on the right and the, the like glasses up in the top right corner that's all because he said this is the way to do it in this book, and everyone just did it after that. I love this guy. Uh, oh, this uniform got codified um, uh, shortly thereafter as everybody read the book and just said, oh, I'll just do it this way because this is easy. But uh, it started getting mass-produced in 1878 by another French chef, uh, Auguste Escoffier, mm. who, if you've seen the bear and know the, like, the brigade, the French brigade-type system, he was the guy that came up with that. Um, and that was copied pretty much by everybody in every kitchen throughout the world at any high-class restaurant. So uniform companies started producing these uh, hats and uh, double-breasted coats en masse. And it really hasn't changed that much since then. Um, the, the baggy pant with uh, the micro black and white um, check pattern on it was also there to hide stains. Mm -hmm. I mean, elastic was an addition to that once elastic rubber became uh, mass available. And then black clogs um, for supporting your feet all day and also to protect your feet from spills and easy to clean. Um, but yeah, I, I want to take a moment to appreciate how long this uniform lasted because basically from 1822 up until now, it hasn't really changed. Uh, it, and though now what we're talking about is how it has changed and people don't really wear it anymore and that's sort of why it's becoming a trend. But I can't think of any other uniform or really article of clothing that has been this long-lasting in such wide use. I got nothing. Maybe like sailors' uniforms or something. Also all white. I don't know. Probably not though. Those have changed. Yeah, with the, the sandals. Yeah. The the big wavy ankles. Maybe some like weird fucking baroque pair of like. But like they're not like in mass. I think this is the only thing in mass I can think of that's like. Yeah, but when did the blue, the blue coat, like start happening in France? Blue coat. Oh, you mean you know the, what I'm talking about like, like the. The Blood of Trevi. Yeah, yeah. Trevi. Um, yeah, God. That was, I mean, that was like a little bit pre-industrial, that was pre-industrial revolution that they were starting to get into that stuff. Um, I don't know. I can't answer that question, no prep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Put you on the spot there. Yeah. We can do a, a voiceover later that we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll dub in. Yeah. Um, something really smart of me be being accurate and knowing my history better. Tasteful. Than yeah, accurate and tasteful. 100% every time. Well, okay, yeah, I'm really excited to dig more into this because I feel like the... Oh, yeah, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's like interesting like what parts of this are being fashionified now. I'm curious to th talk more mm -hmm. about. Yeah. 
Um, well, the times they are a changing, which uh, as reported in the Guardian earlier, as mentioned, uh, consumer brands are pushing it in that direction. And it's no longer really that chefs need their own uniform. It's that chefs at each restaurant need their own exclusive look and merch in order to sell their identity. Hmm. That uh, there are a lot more restaurant collabs with brands and they're making the uniform that the chefs wear in the kitchen. And then you can also buy that uniform. So you can like, be a little lad and cook at home um, and make much worse food. So uh, one of the biggest standouts was the UK brand Drake's, which collabed with Michelin-starred restaurant St. John in London, and they did a collaborative collection, which is basically just workwear, that they've foregone the double-breasted coat for, like, it's sort of French workwear, more like Blue de Trevaille, that they've got a chore coat, ball cap, Oxford cloth button-down, work pants. Um, it looks like good stuff, but it does not really read as kitchen to me. Mm. Yeah, not at all. The vest is cool. It all seems sort of nautical to me. Yeah. Yeah, lots of blues and stripes. I mean, like, it's like very like Noah adjacent. And uh, the L.A. Michelin-starred restaurant Cato kind of did exactly the same thing with uh, the also L.A. brand Good Fight that they incorporated some interesting fabrics into it that kind of makes sense, like Seersucker and Cool Max for being in a hot kitchen. Um, but it's also more Dickies-looking stuff that doesn't really read as chef's wear, except for the aprons, but more like you know, Dickies mechanic-type uh, look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That they've got a... Uh, what looks like a duck canvas um, button chore coat, sort of like a Detroit uh, Carhartt type jacket mm-hmm. with an angled breast pocket on it. Um, and they've got these crazy zip up pants mm-hmm. that zip up the front like legs of the pants. Mm-hmm. But I'm not really understanding how this applies to the, the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even tell the the tall hat hierarchy in these um, in these collabs. No, if I go into the kitchen and I find a fly in my soup, I do not know who to yell at and uh, mm-hmm. hit with a giant wooden spoon. Yeah, you got to hit the guy with the biggest hat in the kitchen when your food comes out bad. <laughs> so we bring rulers to restaurants normally. <laughs> That's who you need to battle. Yeah. So it's like it's like what is what is it even? These are these are workwear collabs. They look like they're sailors' clothes or mechanics' clothes. What? Yeah, where is the mm. chef? Is are those zippers on the front of the legs to keep cool air on your legs while you're in the hot kitchen? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it is to yeah to trap a pocket of air, or uh, when you're you're riding your fixed gear bicycle to to service they they mm-hmm. aid like they aid in ventilation or mm-hmm. protecting your legs mm-hmm. from it. Mm-hmm. I'm unsure. This collab was uh, are you sure it's not a little bit inscrutable. Are you sure to it's me. not just a gusset? Like, are we sure that's even like bent? It doesn't just make them wider. Maybe it makes them wider, but in in what is the purpose of it? It looks more like a uh, a flight suit. Yeah, don't ask me about purpose on these things. I was just 
I, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I think the good fight one looks a little bit more tethered to a kitchen, maybe. Mm. It's more interesting, um, for sure. The Drake's one is, uh, or like pushing the envelope. Yeah, the Drake's one's bit. not bad. It's just like it just doesn't like it looks like. It looks like it could be like a Noah drop to me. And then going even deeper on mechanic core, the Rosa Ragosa, um, which is Maddie Matheson, Celebrity Chef's brand. We've mentioned him a couple times before. That their most recent stuff is very much Route 66, 1950s filling station. Um, you know, like uh, Eisenhower jackets with mm-hmm. patch pockets mm-hmm. and flat front work shirts and uh, flat work pants Mm -hmm. so it seems to be a complete evolution of the chef look away from even being a chef at all yeah i don't know if you have anything you want to talk about with rosa ragosa is you have stuff from it don't you yeah albert yeah i i bought a pair of white pants in a size that should have fit me and they were too small and Mm. and uh I just kind of put them away for the, a while until like summertime. And then when I pulled them out, I was like, there are like, like a 32 is like weirdly slim and small. And then I would have to just like go through the trouble of like getting a whole new, a whole, like, yeah, I don't really. And now it's like all made to order. I don't think they have just like a, a stock. I think they're, it's all made to order. So I don't really want to mm. go through the trouble again of getting a new pair. Quality seems decent especially on like their heavy duck canvas stuff. But yeah, I don't know. No, I'm still, I'm just like, I'm just curious to see what, what, what this yarn you're, un, you're unraveling. Cause, um, I, I want to know more. Yeah. Is the, the only thing that has seemed consistent in the chef uniform that's become more popular are the pants. Um, but not made by anything associated with a restaurant that there are two brands, uh, that have gotten, decently big uh, Service Works London and Cookman USA which are sort of the across the pond equivalents of each other that are selling $80 chef pants in a variety of fabrics and chef pants are they seem to just be like a work pant but they have an elastic waist mm-hmm. um, which I'm unsure of the utility of that in a kitchen or why that became the, the chef pant Maybe if you're on fire, they're easier to take off more quickly, but it just seems like it'd be more difficult to go to the bathroom in them, mm-hmm. or it just, I, I don't understand the, the thinking, or like maybe one size fits all if you're, you weigh, your waist is bigger at the beginning of service than it is at the end of service, or vice versa. Uh, I don't have uh, experience with either, either of these brands. Um, I got a pair of uh, Cookman pants for my dad one year for his birthday, and they did a pair that was like wool, and he loved them so much. They're a great gift for your dad if you want to get some pants for your dad. Nice. They, they seem to sort of be the evolution of joggers, that the elastic is at the top instead of the bottom. It's easy pant. They've yeah. been, that, that concept's been around for yeah. quite some time. I've gone back to the hard pant, but those were the easy pants. Mm-hmm. I never well, thought I'd see the day. I mean, it's just at some point you just fucking lose interest in your shit, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, can't crystallize. Mm-hmm. Got to switch. I mean, it I guess up. It'd be, crystallizing would be kind of sick, but no, I just got like, infinitely bored. <laughs> if I had most of that stuff, had to go, had to go back to a fixed waistband. So that it still don't fit. 
still ramp him down with the belt, but yeah, I don't think these have a belt. They're they're drawstrings. Yeah, no, the the Cookmans the... are like they look like pretty like the Stussy beach pant for those at home. Um, kind of just looks like they ripped. A, now that I see these, look like they ripped a chef pant in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. The batten wear, uh, mm-hmm. what is it called? The lazy pant. Bouldering no, the bouldering pant. pant's got the elastic at the bottom. Um, but the, I think it's called the lazy pant. Active lazy pant. Don't. Yeah, they are going for the masses. Don't no. quote me on that. But yeah, those like they all sort of feel. The Lemaire easy pant is a little bit. I don't think that's like quite what these are. Like those are like these are like a little bit more rugged fabric wise or like hardware and fabric wise. Probably not a ton of suiting wool. Like if you got wool, it's probably gonna be like a flannel. Hmm. Like a pajama pant, kind of, but like a sturdier yeah. one. It's just really interesting because it feels like, you know, there's a very, very concrete image of what this is, like what a chef wears. Um, you know, either like a high-end kind of dress chef look or you know it's like it's very it's very easily defined and yet i feel like these collabs are very vague um the the uh and even the bear like i think the like it's kind of just like it's a vibe right it's like carmy is wearing a white t-shirt and it's like it's just like it's like the the it's just like something very ephemeral about the state of being a chef that I feel like is what resonates. Cause it's like, he, I don't, I can't recall much. I mean, he wears kind of like general, just like black pants most of the time. I don't know what pants they are. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's got the Birkenstocks on. And sometimes you see what people, what shoes people are wearing and there may be cool clogs. And then, you know, uh, I, I forget her name, but she gets like the Tom Brown chefs. Yeah. Coat at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sid. I can't remember her character name. Sydney. Sid. Yeah. Sid gets the, gets that. But it's like beyond that, I don't even feel like it's, it's like, it's just like a general vibe. It's like general, do you know Mm, what I mean? Just blasting cigs and uh, drinking out of deli containers. Exactly. Yeah. Having, having lots of tattoos and smoking cigs and, and, and being sweaty and and (laughs) making food, being stressed out. yelling a lot. Yelling. Yeah. Well, you can't drink out of glass containers if you're in the kitchen. You don't want to break them shits. But the, uh. I feel like I and I, I wrote this. Okay. <laughs> why you gotta drink out of plastic? Um, I think I wrote this in the market week recap for Heddles, David. But I do think that, like, in a weird way, like, yeah, you're you're very right about the rest of the uniform aside. The T-shirt became a character, like in and of itself. Yeah, like that yeah. became like an investigative mm-hmm. thing that I think folks thought they'd like put on, and also exude all the things that you were just talking about, like the blasting cigs and sitting on like dumpster railings while drinking out of plastic <laughs> containers and like the courts and yeah. fucking, you know, like, but and yeah, like, the biceps of a man who works out three hours a day, but also has a, you know, a 20 hour work day at the, at the restaurant. Yeah. Like, I don't think that was necessarily it's all whiskey. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the, the the t-shirt was the stand-in for everything else at that point. Because, again, you were right. Like, the pants were not focused on whatsoever within any of that discourse. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know he was wearing mm-hmm. Burks, to be honest. I feel a little little come for in that regard. <laughs> I didn't Leave know he was wearing alone. pants. Yeah, did, 
Well, I thought he was wearing de- like regular denim. It is interesting that she they like, they did make the close the characters in certain ways though. Yeah. No, I mean mm-hmm. that's like the cool thing about it, and I feel like it's like such a departure for. I mean, so so many TV shows, the wardrobe is just so such an afterthought, and this they really thought about it, and it's front and center. And but then again, it's like yeah, I don't. I when I kind of conjure the image. In, in my head, it's like I, there's nothing really. He doesn't wear denim really at all, and that and you think he does because he sells his jeans at the start, but he doesn't really wear denim. He wears this like cool, no nationality, winter patchwork coat a lot, walking around blasting <laughs> yeah. darts, you know. But like, what the fuck is he? <laughs> what are they? You know? I don't. Okay. Sorry, I'm getting worked up. Yes, yeah, Albert. he wears the rugby shirt in the <laughs> flashback episode, but like every other shot, I think he's either in a white tee or that fucking patchwork coat. Um, I just had one other aspect of this trend that I wanted to touch on before we get into the hows and whys. But uh, another thing that's popping up alongside of all this is restaurant groupie merch. That the restaurant tee feels like it's the new band tee. And... Like everywhere I go that's anywhere slightly trendy is trying to push a forty dollar screen printed tee to have a like twenty nineteen like wavy letter graphic designed uh version of their logo at you. Um maybe this is just a Los Angeles thing, because in looking this up, like both no. Eater and the LA uh Times have full on articles of like, here is how to make a full on look from just restaurant merch in this area, or who has the best restaurant merch for gifting? Did they have the cardigan from the Beverly Hills Hotel in there? I believe they do. Yeah, that one's good. Uh, just the colors. Yeah, it, it seems to be another angle here of uh, wanting to have association with this, and it, it's like the a band t-shirt, but it's more meaningful in a way because... Uh, you actually had to go to the place, and you didn't just buy a like. like they're selling Ramones T-shirts at Target now, um, so I don't entirely know what to make of this. And as someone that does own a couple restaurant tees, but they're very old and from places that were would not be participating in trends. Mm-hmm. Um, not saying that I'm above this necessarily, but the the restaurant T-shirt does seem to be some unique uh 2020s aberration so oh go ahead Albert. no reed i'm just sighing <laughs> oh yeah so like i think that it's like i think it is kind of like a lot of like the worst possible uh mm-hmm. thing like so before covid pre-covid i mean this goes back years there's the fucking restaurant the odeon in new york that is like a Formerly Keith McNally owned, like it's just like it's like it used to be the SNL cast members used to eat there, and then now it's just like a it's been a Conde Nast hotspot for fucking ever. J Crew did their dinner there. People love the Odeon. It's great. It's good food. Whatever. It's a French. I think it's like a French bistro. But they used to have like an employee hat, and my dad lived around the corner. The kitchen's open till three a.m. He lived around the corner in like the early aughts, all the way up like through twenty tens, and. At some point, he managed to get one of these hats. He gave the hat to me. I was like, this is the coolest fucking shit ever. They don't sell these hats. And then all of a sudden, I started seeing them like quite a lot of places in like the last few years. And I was like, these hats must be available. 
and like in some capacity, right? And it's like I don't even know if they are or if it's just like something that they're now like just like making a bunch more of. But I do think that it's like a weird. I definitely wore it because I was like, this is sick. Mm-hmm. I got one of these hats, and I clearly go to the Odeon if I'm wearing one of these hats. I didn't actually go to the fucking Odeon at that point. Way too expensive for me. Um, but uh, I think it is this like high low signal. The like the Erewhon tote's a different thing. That's like $150 and it's insane and it's like what the fuck are you doing? But I think that like this like weird merch category is like like the Sunset Tower makes a hat, I know, in LA. You know, and it's like I'm sure the hat is more expensive than the hat should be, but it's also probably less than the burger. And so I think it is like this like way to signal that like yeah, you could get a res or like you could get a table at like these like inside. Like I think it's I think it's shitty. I don't think it's good. Mm-hmm. Like is like what we're signaling when you like are st- when you're rocking that stuff. And I think it gets even like to a weirder place when it's a nice place that doesn't like quote unquote sell the merch, but the merch exists. Mm-hmm. And then it's like all of a sudden it's like, "Oh wait, how did they get that?" And mm-hmm. it becomes in your own little riddle for people who are like already in the know. I don't know. I made it my entire goal living at one apartment when I was like over, it was when I was a few years back in Bushwick and I made it like my goal to get one of the bodega uniform t-shirts for free or not the t-shirts, the polos that like the staff wore, which I definitely did manage to talk them into after like two and a half years of trying. Um, and then it subsequently did not fit at all. <laughs> Those dudes insisted I was a small, um, I did not like it clinging to me, mm. but, um, but yeah, like I think, you know, and there's still something probably like weirdly pretentious about doing that too. Like I have my favorite deli from when I was a little kid in Connecticut. I've got a hoodie from theirs and it's like, you know, I think it's like still showing your taste, whether it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like on your chest in a weird way that like maybe clothing brands are not. With those, like, restaurant merchants, you know, like, it's like you could sort of choose any ones, but it's like if you're buying a John and Vinny's dad cap, then you're, like, trying to say fucking something about yourself. Mm-hmm. Or a Jollibee antisocial social club t-shirt. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I thought the Palace McDonald's stuff, like, the billboards were kind of great, but, yeah, again, like, this is, like, like, I think we're back into, like, signaling, and there was, like, these restaurants i think who understood that there was probably these like people who would love to signal that they could actually get into that restaurant Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or had been to that restaurant it's yeah it's it's so it's so weird i like i agree with you reed i i think that there's something you know finding finding like an insane restaurant t-shirt when you're thrifting is always like something like where the mark it's just like some something totally nuts i love that kind of thing um there's a place that I have been to that is a deli and car wash and bait and tackle shop. And I have their shirt because it says all those things. And it's, I think it's hysterical. But most people don't, don't know that those are the three branches of our <laughs> government. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Checks and balances. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I, that stuff I love. And then it, yeah, it is, it is weird because. And like, it's like what you're describing, Reed. It's like, yeah, you, you can love something and then you start to see it on people that you don't feel are representative of why you like that thing. And that's a problem that, you know, happened with, happens with every sneaker that gets big as well. And, um, and I also feel like, you know, it's one thing when it's a restaurant that has like a very, you know, like 
I would probably love Musso and Frank's merch or something like some like old establishment. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, or like David, like you go to any of those like weird, super old LA spots. I feel like if any of them had a hat or a T-shirt, that would communicate. That's like you know, there's something there. Um, uh, Apple Pan started making merch after the new ownership, uh-huh. but I don't want it uh-huh. now that it's now that it's well, big. T- I would want it for like the exclusivity of the the quest to acquire it. Sure, sure, sure. That's, um, like, see that that's the thing. I think it's now the clout for cheap. Yeah, right. Like it, like. Like the way that like the box logo Supreme Tea used to be a friend's like it just used to exist in the back of the store, uh-huh. like they wouldn't re- you know and it's like you could always get one if you were friends with staff but you couldn't get one otherwise and so like you know and it's like eventually they started releasing them like later on of course like after a few years, but there was like something like really like it's like ah shit like even if you bought one, you could still lie about it, like the old Apple Pan shirt you probably would have had to get from a staff member yeah you know or like. Even if you didn't, you would have thrifted it from someone who was like, you know, like at some point that's where it originated. But now you can sort of like signal that you go to this like once insidery, mm-hmm. you know, 50 year old L.A. establishment. Mm-hmm. But that's now been like pretty TikTokified. Yeah. It's the publication the of the secret menu that you know, all of these shirts used to be off menu and now they're they're available. Yeah. Yeah. But I, we don't want them. I feel like if anything, like if I, if I have restaurant merch, like I want like a mug or something, you know, it's like, it's kind of mm-hmm. like, then it's like, you're not, you don't have to rep it that hard. And then also like, I feel like a lot of the restaurants that we're describing, like the hip up and comers, like they've got the cool, you know, a lot of those restaurants are like, their menus are small enough that it's like, it would be kind of hard to patronize them regularly. Like I feel like in the, 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 like the, the cool set of LA restaurants are not like the classic New York bistros that have been there for ages. It's like, yeah, how am I gonna, you know, there's only four entrees at bar Chalou and I'm not going to rep it that hard. Like <laughs> it's a great meal, but I'm not going there weekly. I don't know. Um, so yeah, Reed, you you have the Odeon hat. I've admitted that I have one from my local uh, hometown barbecue place and the burger place that I loved when I was in college. Uh, Albert, aside from the bait and tackle and restaurant and car wash, are, are you participating in any of this at all? Um, I have a pine burger mug because I love pine burger. Pasadena. Mm. Great one. Um, I have, but I, I love like cursed restaurant merch the most. There's one I found. It's like all these different fonts, and it's like Uncle John's Chinese and American food, all different fonts. And on the back it just says ham egg. So I, <laughs> I, I don't know what they were going. This is a, a thrifting find. Yeah, I don't know what that was about, but that's that's a good one. I love their work. Um, there was a liquor there was a liquor store in Key Largo when I went down there for my now brother in law's bachelor party. That also sold, sold me weed graciously because uh, I couldn't find it any other way in that state. And I looked behind and they had, it was called Denny's Liquor and they just used the Denny's color scheme. Nice. Like the restaurant, but they just changed it to liquor. And I was like, yeah, this is my spot. I'm going to grab that t-shirt. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I've never bought any like high-end restaurant collab workwear things. I me neither. I do think that if you go past the hat or the tea, like tea sweatshirt, like whatever, like I think it's fine to support the places you like. Like I think you should probably be like wondering if the place you're buying it from needs that support in like a whole, like, you know, it's like you're already going and buying a meal from them. Like 
if you can't get a table for another four months, they're probably doing okay. Um, and it does seem just like a way to wear a t-shirt with like other nice things and have it for some reason feel nice because it's got like a, you know, like Lily or Misi logo or some shit on the front. Um, wear it with your Prada shoes and all of a sudden it's like fashion because it's a fashionable place. I think there is like a little bit of that going on with it. But I think that like, yeah, like I do think that there's still like definitely like, support your fucking friends or the places like mm-hmm. the small ones you mm-hmm. like, like the Chinese American mashup, like buy that shirt. If you, if that place still exists and you go there for mm-hmm. sure, they could definitely use the extra 40 bucks that day. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just feels like it seems like it's all, these are all different things. Like, Owning the restaurant merch is communicating something that's not fully chef core. It's just sort of I'm restaurant adjacent core. Uh, and then the collabs that are clearly sort of inspired by chef core don't really, doesn't seem like really fully tap into what we understand chef, this like very ineffable thing that we believe chef core to be. And then even shows about chef core, it's like there's not enough tall hats. Yeah. Like the chefs are really trying to distance themselves and redefine it as a purely workwear profession or mm-hmm. work working class profession, mm-hmm. which I don't think is wrong because it's historically underpaid, overworked, uh, bad conditions. And I think especially after uh, 2020 and all of the, the further shit that they had to go through, they don't want to be viewed as a servant of the upper classes which is, I think, what that old-school uniform kind of represents. That uh, it's, it's like, as anachronistic as, like, a butler's uniform. And I think they would rather be seen as this, like, blue-collar hero, which I think a lot of chefs, you know, that's, that's something that it is a job, sort of like postman or teacher, that's unimpeachably good, mm-hmm. that you're creating good things for the world, like t- tasty food for people to eat. But I think all of this accessorizing of it is uh, what you guys have touched on is kind of harmful and icky because it sort of feels like a cash grab aimed at the worst consumers of these high-end restaurants that want to be the groupies, that want to be the, uh, if you've seen the menu, the Nicholas Holt character, um, Tyler, that knows absolutely everything about all the chefs but could not cook to save his life and is, is willing to die, literally die to get into this restaurant. But, uh, yeah, and he's the kind of person that would spend, you know, $400 on a Drake's St. John collab. Oh, yeah. And I, I think all of us that have paid attention to clothes this much are, are picking up on that, and it's just like, what are you communicating by wearing something like this? And why would you want to be associated in this way? Um, it's just an, an earnestness that's uh, telling on yourself. I think, as I said, it's good for chefs to get more recognition and maybe do more self-definition of their look and what they're doing. But the way that it's been monetized, I would not want to participate and I don't think is necessarily good to have other things that are in two minds of that because it does identify the people who are doing it in a very visible way, but it's nothing that I would ever want to participate in. Mm-hmm. I think I would give this three and a half or a four, mm-hmm. not a fan. I think chef core in the sense of like the actual thing that chefs do and the sort of the vibe they bring to the table, I think is really interesting and, and 
and the and the choices they make you know i think i think we're always interested in how people dressing for function and like uh and sort of customizing uh you know a their uniform to, to adapt to a very specific and challenging career. So I think that's cool. But, and I would give that like an seven, just like the, the actual way that chefs dress and the way they adapt to their situations mm-hmm. and the way they incorporate different things, often mainline workwear brands into their, into their style. But I think, yeah, the commodified way that we're, that we're being sold chef core. Yeah. A three, I don't really care honestly to asterisk there I, I agree that i would say the uh when it's worn by chefs it would be like a seven or an eight uh-huh. maybe higher but when it is worn casually and commodified in this way we're in three three and a half territory and those saucy little chefs you showed us with the floppy hats that's a 10 out of I want 10 that back. yeah that's a full 10 <laughs> for us for, first on the show <laughs> yes chef i imagine they aren't the little lads that love berries and cream, but I do imagine that they are little lads who do love, like not the, but they do love berries and cream. That's the vibe they threw. Yeah. I, like, I think, so for me, I, I fucking, I'm a clogsman. I fucking love clogs. Um, I, like, I don't know. necessarily know. Yeah. I don't really know where I, I don't really think space. I felt like I stole that from, a from the kitchen in regards to that necessarily. Like, I do think that like, I, I mean, I think some of the shoes I wear are definitely like uh chef shoe adjacent, like particularly the ALD gardening clog. That's just like this, like chunky rubber thing. Um, I have no idea how that would fare in a kitchen, but I definitely, it's, it's like a crock with no holes. So, um, you know, it's like, I don't know. I'll describe it. Uh, but so like, I, I like that that's been like somewhat normalized for my own sake. Um, and I haven't seen like, I think easy pants are fine. You know, it's like, if that's what you kind of want to wear, like, I, I think that like, if you're like sitting there being like, if you're correcting someone being like, Oh, those are cool. Like I didn't realize they had a fly and an elastic waist. And someone's like, well, they're chef pants. It's like, calm fucking down. Um, don't say that just like to, to appreciate, I guess like whatever the compliment or revelation is and move on. But I don't necessarily see, like, I think that like the, I think it's cool to try to recontextualize, like you were saying. It doesn't seem like these projects did it, and I think there's like probably plenty of work to go. It seems like that is definitely a uniform that has like been created out of function for demanding conditions. Um, and so it's like I don't, I don't know how much like what are we gonna do with the pants? Like you don't want anything that's flammable. That's like my first thought when I saw that synthetic on the zip up ones is like, I don't know. Is that going to, is that going to melt to your legs? Yeah. It's like, is that, is that good? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think sort of like anytime we mainstream, um, like a trade, not uniform, but like a, whatever you want to call that, like a trade stuff. I think it does like a pretty good job of like humanizing folks that maybe, you know, it's like, I, I don't really like, I think that people being obsessed with the USPS, uniforms has probably made some like weirdo fashion people who wouldn't have been sympathetic toward the profession of mail carrier, maybe like at least like slightly more sympathetic or more of as like, you know, able to see it a little bit. I have no idea. Um, just a thought, but rating wise, I think like for the general populace, like don't be wearing double breasted white coats around town. That's fucking Mm -hmm. weird. Um, 
And I think that as far as like the restaurant merch, I think it just jumped the shark. Like I think there was probably a moment when it was like cool and it's like, fuck it. If these things are all regional, which they all were, you can kind of just like, no one is confusing people who are in those circles of being like, you know, fucking of the proletariat. Like you can signal your, your rich tribe, whichever way you want to. But now it feels like it's like, like commodifying and exporting the clout from being able to get into these restaurants in like both a cheap and dirty, like an actually cheap way. It's like, you know, it's like you're spending, like, even if you're spending like 60 bucks on a snapback hat or whatever, or like a t-shirt, it's like still less than the entree at a lot of these expensive places. Um, I guess it lasts longer, but again, what are you trying to communicate? Like, I feel like just enjoy the meal. <laughs> you don't love it that much. Again, I get, like, what do I know? But it's like, you know, but I do think that like buying shit from your deli is cool. Mm-hmm. Buying like, you know, your favorite dive bar near use merch if they've got it. Like, sure. Help them out. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's a seven for me. Post your food pick and get the fuck out. Yeah, man. All right. Well, there you have it. That has been another tasty episode of Never Wrong. Everything you have heard has just been 100% accurate and tastyful. Uh, if you want more and to see links to all this stuff, you can go to our Substack. Any questions or uh, you want to argue with us, our email address is neverwrongpod at gmail.com, spelled just like the name of the show. Um, thank you very much for listening. You all fill our hearts like a crock with no holes. Thank <laughs> you.